So Jesus uh, continued. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country. And there, squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. So when he came to his senses, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and, and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He ran through his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick! Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened, fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a, a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again, and he was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Last week we began our journey into this very famous story in the Bible that is often entitled The Prodigal Son, which I think is a terrible title for it, because there's so many different aspects for this, or to this story. And the way we began the whole journey was by asking this question. What does God think about when God thinks about you? What does God think about when God thinks about you? And we basically talked about three things that we think happened, but that's not what happens. We think what happens is that God thinks about us what we think about us. But that's not true. Or if that doesn't work, we think that God thinks about us what others think about us. Thank goodness that's not true. 
And if those two fail, we think that God thinks about us conditionally based on our performance and what we do and don't do. And I'm so glad that that's not the truth. If there was a newspaper in Jerusalem, I believe the first caption would have said, I could just imagine, I don't know, some little guy named Levi. I don't know. Making this stuff up here. Extra, extra, read all about it. Son wishes father was dead and receives inheritance. Extra, extra, read all about it. Then a little while later, extra, extra, read out about it. No sign of squandering son. Father is inconsolable. Extra, extra, read all about it. See, headlines, those captions are, are written to, to kind of make you want to read the rest of the story, aren't they? Extra, extra, read all about it. He got what he deserved. Famine leaves wasteful son feeding pigs. Extra, extra, read all about it. And then, extra, extra, read all about it. Son comes crawling back. Father throws a party? <laughs> and then maybe the final article. Extra, extra, read all about it. Reckless wastefulness met with scandalous forgiveness. I mean, what a crazy story, huh? This, this scandalous forgiveness that, that exceeds all the reasonable limits by the Father. I mean, I don't know about you, but I read this story and I think, boy, how do you get to be like this? I mean, what has happened to this Father that would cause him to be this loving? And here's what I want to tell you right now, that the caption of your past does not need to determine the headline of your future. In other words, no matter what the captions were, they were all wrong at the end because the son decided, I got to do something. I can't stay here. I'm even willing to be a servant. I'll be a servant. And he goes to the father, rehearses the speech, but the father interrupts him and says, no way. What servant stuff? What's the servant stuff? You're not a servant. You're my son. Throw a party. Get some sandals. Get some robes. Get some ring. Get a ring on him. Let's kill the, the fatted calf and let's throw a party. And the son is sitting there, and I bet, I bet he's just kind of going around going, but, but I have the speech. Somebody please listen to my speech. I've worked on it really hard. I'm feeling guilt and shame. i got to get it out. I gotta, you, listen, do you hear my speech? No, he's, he's partying over there. Well, how about you? Please let me, can I? No. The father doesn't want to hear the speech. One of the genius of Jesus' parable, and it's in every parable, is that if you read it carefully, we always find ourselves irresistibly identifying with one of the characters. Have you noticed that? So here's my question to you this morning. Who are you in this parable? Are you the, the sinners and tax collectors that we talked about last week? Listening? Are you the, the prodigal son? Are you the father? Are you the, the guy that hires the guy? You know, let's throw him a little bone or something, you know. 
I mean, what's amazing about this story is that you think it's over. And they all lived happily ever after, but it's not over, is it? Only Jesus would do this. This is brilliant. He introduces another element, another character in the story emerges. As if, as if he knows that this is an important character. Because maybe whoever is listening, including us, maybe identifies with this other character. And he's not happy. I remember when I was teaching uh, high school, a Sabbath school class. I was teaching about this story, and I said, you know, there's one for whom the return of the prodigal son brings no joy. There is one for whom the return of the prodigal son brings no celebration. There's one who experiences only pain and disappointment. Can you tell me who that was? And some kid, teenagers, you know how they are. Yes, the fatted calf. No! No. I mean, that may be true, right? No, there's this new person in this story. Actually, he's been there all along. We just, we just kind of forgot about him. That's why I've called this sermon, When Your Brother Comes Home. I think it's a better title than The Prodigal Son. <laughs> so let's read on a little bit here. It says... Uh, Meanwhile, I love that, right? It's all over, no? No, 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 no. Chapter 2. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. What was he doing in the field? He was doing his work. He was doing his duty. He was doing what he was supposed to do. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field, it says. And when he came near the house... He heard music and dancing. All right, this is, this is like, this is not an Adventist party. This is an Israeli party. There is music and dancing. All right, so I need you to kind of catch this for a moment. There's some real partying going on. Why? Because my son was dead and I was alive. He was lost, but now he is found. And there was no stopping the celebration. So he hears this. And it says, so he called one of the servants. So he called one of the servants and asked them, what on earth is going on? Your brother has come. Your brother, your brother has come, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf. Remember the one we've been saving for like some special occasion? He's gone. He has him back safe and sound. Jesus continues, he says, the older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years 
I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a young goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him? wondering what those sinners must have felt like as they heard this story. I'm wondering what the Pharisees must have felt like when they got to this point of the story. I'm just, I'm just wondering. I, I see some uncanny parallels in this story within the context of generational divides. If you would just, just be with me for a moment. About the older brother and the younger brother, the older generation, the younger generation. There are, I've identified four pitfalls that I want to share with you in this story that I want to make sure that we never fall into. Because I think we do pretty good with young people here. So this is kind of more of a, hey, let's make sure we don't go there. Fair enough? But in case you catch yourself in one of these pitfalls, at least you can know. So the first one is what I call suspicion. The pitfall of suspicion is one of the pitfalls of the older brother syndrome. Suspicion. He is suspicious from the very beginning. Notice he doesn't go and says, hey, dad, what's going on? What does he do? He calls a what? A servant. Hey, hey, what's going on? You know, here's what happens when we have suspicion. We never talk to the person we should be talking to. We always talk about that other person behind their back. Have you noticed this? And this is what he's doing. I'm going I'm I'm to talk to the servant instead of dad. Dad is the one I should be talking to. Maybe I should go in and see, what's, is, it really, is it really my brother? No, I, I'm going to talk to a servant and say, hey, what is going on? I'm not even going in there. I mean, there's like singing and dancing. and What is happening in there? I'm, I'm talking to a servant about this. You don't really believe he's changed, do you, really? Really, you think he's changed? Oh, sure, he ran out of all his money. That's what happened. And now he's coming back. Hey, there's no way. Some of us need to guard against adopting this posture of suspicion. Can I tell you what suspicion is? Suspicion basically is sinister curiosity. That's what suspicion is. We, we, we garb it under curiosity, but really it's very sinister, isn't it? This, this intense feeling of, Something is not fair. It allures us from compassion. It robs us of trust. And I think there's a part of us, if we're all honest with ourselves, there's a part of us, each and every one of us, that, that struggles with suspicion. I'll be honest with you, if I was the older brother, I'd be thinking the same things. Like, really? He's changed? He just wasted everything. He's coming back. He, does, he doesn't have anything. Dad, don't you be taken advantage of by this guy. 
I mean, are you following me? What is it about us that can't be like the Father? I mean, isn't, isn't the Father wise? Is the Father stupid? Is he ignorant? Doesn't he have any experience? Does he have any wisdom? No, not at all. That's not the issue. It's that the Father will not partake of the spirit of suspicion. The second one, so the first one is the spirit of suspicion. The second one is the spirit of resentment. Are you following me? The older brother resented his brother leaving in the first place and then resents him for coming back. And then he resents the father for waiting and then resents the father for taking him back. Every day the father would go out and look. The, the younger brother would be like, what a waste of time. What is, he, what is he doing out there? Why would he be going out there? Come on, dad. Come on in. Come on, dad. I'll fix you, I'll fix you some supper. Come on. Forget about him, dad. But he resented it all the while. Resentment always manifests itself by refusing to enter into joy. Have you met people like this? I am amazed when I meet Christians who have not notified their face that they're going to heaven. Am I wrong on this? I've seen Christians, and I'm thinking, hey, brother, do you know you're going to heaven, right? I mean, you believe in Jesus, right? Yeah, he died for you on the cross. Yeah, well, then notify your face, man. Smile. What's with the, well, there's something about us that causes us not to want to enter into joy. Chapter 15 is an awesome chapter because the whole point of the chapter is that lost people matter to God. The first parable says friends and neighbors of the shepherd, they entered into joy with him. They, they threw a party because he found his what? His sheep. They, they, and, then the, and then he ends that little story by saying there was rejoicing in heaven. And then the next story is, is, is the family and friends rejoice with the woman who found the lost coin. A sheep is great to rejoice about. The lost coin is great to rejoice about. But the son, wait a minute. He should know better. A coin doesn't know any better. A sheep doesn't know any better. But the son, he should know better. The Bible says that when, when the woman found the coin, there was such rejoicing. And then he says there was rejoicing in heaven before the presence of God and angels. Of a one sinner that repents, he says. As if he's, he's setting them up for the next story. How are we doing? third parable, the father is rejoicing, the whole household is rejoicing, the entire village is rejoicing, there's a party going on, but throughout all of chapter 15, there is one who refuses to enter into joy, he has resentment. You know what I believe? I believe we can only be young once, but we could be immature indefinitely. Isn't that true? I'm going to let you in on something, so please, uh, uh, this, is, this is a bit risky for me, but I'm going to let you in on it, okay? I, I hope it doesn't change how you treat me <laughs> or how you talk to me, but I need you to know because, and pray for me, pray for me, 
I'm being honest, but pray for me because I haven't gotten there yet, okay? But there were times when I talked to people and I'm thinking to myself, grow up. Like, really? I mean, like, really, grow up? That's what I'm thinking. I'm not saying that, you know. But I'm thinking, like, what? Why? Like, does Jesus even matter to you? Is, is he done anything in your life? Has he changed you in any way? I mean, because, because if he has, why are you saying what you're saying? Why are you doing what you're doing? Like, please. Like, I don't even understand this older brother, to be honest with you. I want to go out and slap him and go, like, grow up, man. There's a party going on. Your son, your, your brother is back. Your brother is back. father could simply order his son to go in, but that's not the father, is he? He doesn't force obedience. So you have the spirit of suspicion, the spirit of resentment. The next one is the spirit of chronic complaining. Have you seen it? I've never disobeyed you. I did everything you ever told me. I'm, I'm I've done all the duty. I've, I've conformed. I've followed your orders. I mean, I've just been doing this over and over. This, this is unfair. This other son of yours, this son of yours. I mean, really, come on. Dad, you didn't even give me, like, I haven't even gotten the little sheep, the goat. I'm thinking, really, a goat? That's what you want? If I was the father, I would have been like, go ahead, get a goat. Take two goats, in fact. You know, be happy. What's with the party? What's this celebration stuff? Like, why are we doing this? I never got to do this when I was young. I can't tell you how many times you've heard. I mean, I, 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 I kid you not. Nancy and I, uh, we worked at, uh, at an academy in, in Pennsylvania. And, uh, and we were always defending the, the, the students, the teenagers, you know. Like, come on, give them a little slack. You know, they're just teenagers, man. Let's let them do some stuff, you know. It's all fine. It's all good, you know. And, and, we, just would, and, and, we, just, and we would really always fight for that. And, and then they would graduate, you know thinking that maybe we made a difference in their lives. And, but they would come back like at alumni weekend, and they'd be upset because maybe some rule changed that they didn't get to do. Hey, that's unfair. I didn't get to do that. And so they would start complaining about it. What's up with that? Do you know what I'm talking about? It's like, well, I didn't get to do that music. I didn't get to do that activity. I didn't get to do that. So why should they do it? I'm not saying anybody in here is like this. I'm just saying if you are or if you find yourself gravitating towards that, think about it. God doesn't think in those terms. I don't know if anybody's noticed this, but, but our younger generation, they're going to a distant country. I want you to know, we are committed to getting them back 
And when they come back, I just, just so you know, be ready. We're throwing a party. Are you following what I'm saying here? There's going to be celebrations, maybe even some dancing. I'm just telling you, just, you know, just because this is what we're about. Aren't we? Y- yes? No? Maybe? I'm not sure what may- which one is, ma- is this maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up now. And then finally, there's the spirit of judgment. I love this one. This son of yours. <laughs> it's not even like when my brother comes home. No, this son of yours. Have you ever experienced that one? When Brianna was little, you know, Nancy would be like, oh, she just she thinks, looks, she looks just like me. She is so smart like me. But when she did something wrong, she'd be like, this door of yours. Right? Oh, we got a new puppy. Oh, how cute. I love this puppy. This is my puppy. Until the puppy poopy. And your dog just did that. Desecrated the living room. You know what I'm talking about, right? We do this all the time. This son of yours. And, th- and this is an interesting part of this. He talks about prostitutes. You know, if you notice this, that's the only time, that's the first time that prostitutes are ever involved in the story. There was nothing about prostitutes. Like he throws in, this is what happens when we have the spirit of judgmentalism. We, we want to exaggerate it. Sure, it was wrong for him to, to waste and squander dad's money and wild living. Who knows what that looked like. But let's not throw stuff in there that we don't know anything about. So, well, so we exaggerate it. Well, you know, dad, I didn't want to say this, but you know. Obviously, he was with prostitutes, right? I mean, he used your money for that. You know what I mean, Dad? I mean, like, let's, let me tell you something right now. Be careful because, because expression deepens impression. Careful what you say. Expression deepens impression. Son wants dad to stop the party. But the father will not. In fact, he's more worried about losing the second son. I love, I love what it says. It says, it's, uh, this, this is so good, man. It says here, uh, the older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. Did you notice that? The same father who went out every day to look for the son. The same father who ran towards the son that was lost. When he hears that his brother won't come in, his other son won't come in, he doesn't say, well, then let him stay out. <laughs> you know what? He should be, he's, he's old enough. He should grow up. No, I love this about the father. He goes out to him and says, come on, son, what are you doing? What's going on? And the son then goes through his complaining, but, but the father is there, and he's like, wait a minute, wait a minute, hold on. And don't miss this. Listen to these words, because this is so important. The older brother becomes angry and refuses to go in, so his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been saving, slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. 
you, you never gave me a, even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when his son of yours has squandered your property with prostitutes, he comes home. You kill the fattened calf. And the, the father says these words. Do not miss this. Don't miss this. My son, the father said, you are always with me. You are always with me. And everything, everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. We had to celebrate. Think about God saying this. We had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours, see how he turns it? Now, not this son of mine, this brother of yours. Don't forget. Yeah, he's my son, but he's your brother. This brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now, I want you to catch something here. Let me ask you a question. Which brother, which son did the father love more? Let me ask it another way. Does God love me more than he loves you? Hey, before you answer that, I'm a pastor. <laughs> Just saying. You know? I'm out every day. Try to win souls for Jesus. You know, I try to be, I'm a good husband. I'm a good dad. I'm trying to be a good example. I mean, you know. See, you're laughing because you know that that's just a stupid question, isn't it? But there are people every day that we meet. There are people every day that we connect with that, that look at God through this filter. They pick up the filter and they go, wow. You know, God loves him more than me or loves this person more than this person. Or, and, and, and it's based on what they do. Do you hear what he's saying? Hey, look at all the things that I've done, Dad. I've, I've, I've done a lot of things. I've never disobeyed you. Obedient. I've been obedient, God. How could you do this? And don't forget what the Father says. Don't miss this. He says, I am always with you. You are always with me. Wait, wait, stop. Are you saying that with is more important than do? Are you saying that with is more important than obedience? Yes. You are always with me. Everything I have is yours. It's always been yours. But this son, he left. He was not with us anymore. And now he is what? With us. With us. So I, I don't know. I, I would say, man, I think those of us who may fall into the category of the older brother, maybe we need to spend some time looking for our younger brother and less time in the field. Maybe we need to remember when we were younger brothers. Maybe we need to remember our youth. Maybe we need to recognize that God is big enough. And he'll take care of it all. And you know what? I'm going to tell you right now. You are free to shake your head once in a while, older brothers, and say, they are so weird, those young people. 
I'm okay. You know what? Because they shake their heads and they go, they are so weird, those old people. I mean, it's okay. We're all weird. Come on, let's be honest. Raise your hands if you're weird. Come on, I'm weird. Let's go. Yes. Let's just, let's get that out of the way. We're weird. That's it. And those of you who didn't raise your hand, you're even weirder than we are. <laughs> right? It's just the way it is. We're just, we're just, we are broken. We, we need God, all of us. Now here comes the best part of the story. Because you think the story is finished, but the story is not finished. No, you did. You read the last thing. No, it doesn't matter. The story's not finished. Have you noticed about this? I love this. How will the story end? How will it end? You see, this is the, the genius of Jesus. He doesn't give us an ending. Have you noticed that? So, okay, so what does, the, what does the brother do? Does he go in? Does he not go in? What does he do? How does this end? There's two ways that this story could end. And here's, by the way, I don't think he didn't end it because he couldn't think of an ending. <laughs> I think he didn't end it on purpose. Because I think he wants us to end it. One way that it can end is that the older brother turns away from his father in disgust. And he returns to the field. And he works like a slave. And never, ever enters into the joy feeling smug about his obedience. Resentment and contempt rise to an unbearable point and his life is forever marred by his own refusal to let go. And he dies a sorry, sorry man. Or or it could end like this. The older brother, after seeing the love in the father's eyes, falls to his knees. His heart is broken. The father picks him up. Come on, son. And he enters the house trembling with his father. And there, he sees his younger brother who's still trying to give the speech to somebody. He sees the younger brother, skinny, wasted, emaciated, tear-stained face. And something inside happens. He remembers how once they grew up together and how they explored together and how they loved together and how they wrestled together and fought and played together. All these memories like, like a torrent come back. All those bottled up painful emotions that were triggered from the thought that he had lost his brother forever burst out as he realizes that from this day forward, they're going to be together forever. And he's going to hold on to his brother. He's never going to let him go. And as his heart explodes with love, he throws his arms around his brother. The music stops all of a sudden. Everybody's just watching. And he is filled with love and he will not let him go. And then he joins into the celebration. And he laughs louder and sings longer and dances faster and cries louder than anyone else in the house. How will the story end? I got to tell you, 
The reason why Jesus didn't say it, because he wants you to end it. He wants you to identify yourself with one of those people and say, how would you end that story? And I hope you take the second. In a few moments, President Praise is going to sing this song, and there's this, there's this one section that they're going to sing, and it says, I then shall live as one who's been forgiven. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I'll walk with joy to know my debts are paid. I know my name is clear before my father. I am his child, and I am not afraid. And so greatly pardoned, I forgive my brother. Some of you guys need to forgive your brother, your sister. The law of love I will gladly obey. Because that's really the only law that matters. I pray that for each and every one of us today. Amen.